We've got a great show for you today. We've got Rob Wade on. You're going to love it. But before we get there, I wanted to tell you about the Enliven Beverage Deal Audit. And if you have a beverage agreement, a beverage partnership with Coke, Pepsi, Dr. Pepper, you're going to want to listen uh, because this could save you tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars. We've been negotiating and managing beverage deals for over 15 years now. And one of the things we find when we're managing the beverage partnerships is oftentimes rebates get underpaid or miscalculated. Invoice prices at the local level uh, are actually over contracted price. The volume reports are missing uh, certain packages or certain locations. And wires get crossed and things are just missed. And however you cut it, that translates into lost money for you. And that's where the Enliven Beverage Deal Audit comes in. In just 15 minutes, you can provide us with all of the information we need to find you underpayments or overcharges. We know where to look. We know which geographies are most likely to have errors. We know which beverage company systems most frequently have errors. We have an audit analyst on our team. We've got a proven process And the best part is there is no upfront cost or investment to take part. You only pay us a small percentage of any money that we actually find and recover. It's a no-brainer. Just this week, our team recovered $18,000 for one beverage company client. I'd be genuinely surprised if there were no errors for your business. How do you get started? Go to www.beveragedealaudit.com. That's beveragedealaudit.com. No risk. It only takes 15 minutes. Do yourself a favor. Go there today and sign up. All right. Here's our podcast. Welcome to the Enliven Beverage Deal Podcast, where we're all about saving and making you money by taking both the guesswork and the legwork out of your beverage partnership and by leveling the playing field when it comes to negotiating your beverage contracts. I'm your host, Tim Harms. We've got a great show for you today. Stay tuned. Well, everyone, welcome back. So glad you're here. We got a great show and we got a great guest this week. Uh, he is a, uh, a friend, has become a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Rob Wade. He's the food service practice leader at Enliven. Hi, Rob. Hey, Tim. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Fantastic. Uh, you're in quarantine world. Um, yes, we are. <laughs> and this is your first time on the show. And I, I definitely wanted to give our audience um, just an idea of who you are and how you've come uh, to. Uh, to enliven. Actually, the first time that I remember meeting you was in a conference room in Kansas City, and we were about to release an RFP for uh, a big healthcare client. And you walked in, and man, you had your face was all down to business. Uh, so Rob <laughs> was uh, we he joined our team uh, last year, but he spent most of his career. At, at Pepsi, and we negotiated against Rob, and Rob was a fierce negotiator, and uh, now he has joined our team, uh, and we're so glad he brings so so much energy and knowledge and uh, just a, a ton of, of fun to our team, honestly. 
But Rob, I thought we could start off just by uh, maybe if you could walk through your experience um, uh, at, a, at a beverage company, at Pepsi, and uh, walk through your career, uh, introduce yourself yes. to uh, our listeners. Sure thing. And by the way, I remember that meeting. I rem- by the <laughs> way, I remember, I remember all of my enlivened meetings. And, and believe it or not, I've actually kept, kept track and kept score of my wins and losses within life. <laughs> and I'm four and three. I won four beverage <laughs> contracts uh, with Enliven, and I lost three. Lost the first two, then I had to test the waters again to see if I could get by with just a little bit more, and I lost the last one before I retired. <laughs> so I have a winning record with Enliven. I'm always going to claim that. But yeah, so thanks. It's been um, it's it's been a great to be a part of this team. But as you mentioned, uh, most of my experience has been you know 30 years um, in the beverage world. And um, uh, started out um, in very uh, humble ways, you know, sorting 16-ounce bottles on a, uh, on a production line in Cleveland, Ohio, and moved um, it's to several different markets, several different roles over 30 years, most of it in sales, some of it in operations. Um, and it's been quite a whirlwind. Um, and, and probably one of the most um, uh, valuable things that I learned was just... Uh, all the different markets I worked in, all the different cultures, all the different selling strategies, what was important to some clients, what wasn't. And every job I have, I've ever had, as much as I could absorb is what I learned. And, and they were all different. And, um, and, and it was just a phenomenal experience. Uh, in fact, I would, I would like, before we get started, I want to... <laughs> the, the irony of this week, I was going back and I was reflecting a little bit on my career, and the irony yeah. of this week, I have a Cola War story for you that oh, taught good. me a lot of the, the elements of what I had learned in my career on one weekend, and I will never forget this weekend. Um, it, was the, it was the 4th of July uh, weekend, and I, it was either in 1992 or 1993, so I was in my late 20s, I had just gotten promoted to a territory sales manager, and we were in the middle of a uh, of of a retail uh, um, activation uh, strategy with Kmart, uh, Super Kmart, Supercenter Kmart. That's mm-hmm. how, by the way, that's how far back it goes because Kmart was a very relevant client back then. Um, but it was uh, I had sold a general manager in on allowing us to build this huge Pepsi billboard in the front of his store, and uh, we were on sale that week. And he said, "Yeah, by all means, you know, let's let's go ahead and do that." So as we started to kind of build the display, uh, I noticed our competitor Coca-Cola was walking in the door, and literally within an hour later, um, Coca-Cola Semi starts pulling up, and they and they start building a display on the other side of the door, which I did not know was going to happen. So here we are. It's like the Thursday before the Saturday, 4th of July. We had massive amounts of people out there, and we're building these huge 20,000 case displays with the billboard effect. You've probably seen those. Uh, one, one, not, one with Coca-Cola, one with Pepsi, spelling out Super Kmart. And uh, by that evening, the general manager had come back out, and he said uh, he was talking to us, and he said, "Well, you guys, I don't know how, why you guys do all this crazy stuff, but he goes, the store looks great." And um, I remember that I had to do something different to put, you know, for for us to have kind of a competitive advantage. Of course. And we built, um, we decided to build a soft drink stage. 
because I had a guy that was working on, on my team at the time, and he was supposed he was a bass player in a band. And he said, "Hey, um, I'm supposed to go play at the you know at this bar tonight." And I was like, "Well, hey, you know what? Um, if you stay, I'll book your I'll book your band tomorrow to play on this softening stage tomorrow in front of the store, right?" And and here's what happened. Uh, the next day, the band shows up. We promoted it. Uh, we had we had a band playing on our soft drink display versus you know versus Coca Cola. We had way more consumer engagement. The store manager loved it, and uh, and we sold way more product that weekend. So I got, got a super K. Yeah, it was great. I I figured out how much it cost me to do all this stuff. I got some operational experience. I figured out what branding was. I figured out what promotional activity was. I had to pay for it, and lo and behold, in about forty-eight hours, I figured out what, how you know, what makes this beverage business tick, and it was um, just a phenomenal, very fun experience. But I learned a lot that weekend on on, on how to get to consumers, so it was great. <laughs> that just uh, that's a great visual, just in a <laughs> nutshell. How competitive? Oh my gosh, uh, yeah. Coke and Pepsi are. Oh my goodness. So a stage. So I just. Uh, I, I can just picture it. So you're you're literally, the band is literally performing on cases of Pepsi. Yeah, we lay and, and literally <laughs> on a the the size of the display was. It turned out to end up being like thirty thousand cases of product, and then we laid pallets down. We put pallets on top of the product, and and uh, uh, and then we put plywood on top of that. And then the band showed up, and they played for like I don't know three hours, you know. And we started we started serving. Uh, free soft drinks out there, and and the and the consumers that were coming up, they absolutely loved it. And I thought to myself, well, hey, you know what? It wasn't Beyonce, but man, <laughs> but man, we were getting a value out of that music. And I thought, hey, is this how this you, really works? You sowed the seeds for Beyonce right there. <laughs> yeah. It was all your idea. Yeah, there you go. I should take oh, credit for that. <laughs> but no, that's great. Uh, I love it, and uh, I love actually how that ties into today's topic. Uh, what we're going to dive into today, uh, which is really the difference between a pouring rights agreement and a marketing, a beverage marketing agreement. And so there are two terms. Um, to be honest, I've been in this business for a while now, and I didn't even know the difference between these two when I, when I first started. You hear pouring rights, kind of, if you're not in the industry day in and day out, yeah. a different term, your beverage marketing agreement. So I, I thought we could bring you on and you can just walk through the difference between the two uh, concepts, a pouring rights agreement, agreement and, a, and a marketing agreement, beverage marketing agreement. Um, but really, it seems like what you just shared, the, the activation part of it, the marketing yeah. at, at, uh, part of it, the experience part of it um, is going to come into play here. So I'll, yes. just, uh, I'll just start there. Can you explain the basics of, of the two types of agreements, how sure. they're similar and how they're yeah. different? Sure thing. Great question. So in, in, in a nutshell, if you think about pouring right agreement and what it means to a beverage company, and er, by the way, everything with them is about activation. They want to activate every, you know, 24 hours, seven days a week. So when you say, when you say the word activation too, I mean, could you even dive into that? Cause I know that's, yeah. that's a phrase that isn't even always uh, known outside of the, the beverage industry. What, what, what do you mean by activation? Their brands. Right? How do they how do how do they uh, portray their brands in front of consumers, and and they want access to consumers, and so 
how do they how do they uh, market and brand their specific product lines in front of consumers and mm -hmm. in in a pouring right agreement you would define it more as internal meaning um, how many consumers does a certain property provide a beverage company so that they can get their products in front of them and some of the examples that we have in our business whether it's a healthcare client or an airport or a restaurant there's a certain number of consumers that will come in those front doors every single day and that beverage company has an opportunity to market and brand their products uh, directly to those consumers within the four walls of, of those locations and that's it's more of like an internal activation so pouring right agreements I would even go as far to say pouring right partnerships depending upon how aggressively um, a beverage company wants to market internally is is how I would uh, kind of paint that picture a pouring right agreement would lean more in on that side marketing is more about branding externally how can they take how can a beverage company take that same property and uh you know we'll, we'll use an example of um uh the chicago cubs as an example uh you know they're they're going to take that brand right and they're going to try to uh externally activate that property to other um retail chains retail outlets and if they can monetize it, you're starting to get into some of the marketing, advertising, investment strategies, and that's where that that's where that external activation comes comes into play. So if you're thinking about pouring right, it's about how do they how do they get access to the internal um, part of that equation within the four walls of uh, of of a property, and then external is what can they do outside of those four walls. And there's there's uh, there's several examples of that, but really, I'll be honest with you, the best ones are the best properties are the ones where you can leverage both, mm -hmm. and that's that's for the most part that's always our goal at at Enliven is how do we take advantage of of both of those aspects. So you brought in the example of the Chicago Cubs. So pouring right would be inside the stadium, uh, the drinks that are served are yes. going to be. Pepsi or Coke or Dr. Pepper or whatever beverage partner they, they, they choose to go with. But a beverage marketing agreement would be outside of the property. When you go into the supermarket, you see a display that, that puts the, the Coke brand or the Pepsi brand alongside Chicago Cubs. Correct. Yeah. Where you start to link the, the value of those two assets. Uh, the beverage companies are really, really, really good at doing that. Um, but it's a whole different it's a whole different philosophy on what that return on investment is, and that's why it gets a little tricky at times, right? To try to access both. Um, but there, but there's a value there's two there's two separate values there. But but anytime you can try to link the two together, it's it's beneficial to our clients. So how how do the beverage companies think about this about the two types of agreements? Is one more valuable than the other? Uh, are they both valuable but just separate? Are they trained to get to go grab both. Give us some insight into how they view. Yeah, so one, one example I would say where a pouring right agreement is valuable, if you think about um, restaurant clients, right? Restaurant customers, pouring right agreements are very important, um, would, would, would be the majority of the value because so much of the revenue 
and profitability that a restaurant will generate comes from that pouring right agreement. So whether it's uh, a you know negotiated lower cost equipment platforms that the beverage companies provide, service that goes into it, there's so much revenue that is provided to that restaurant client that pouring right agreement is critical. Uh, you know, for them to be a profitable entity and, and to be a profitable brand themselves. You always want to try to figure out a way to introduce what, you know, kind of the branding strategies that a, a beverage company can and can provide. And so that even an external marketing strategy would be would play a part in that. But from a restaurant perspective, um, you would want to make sure that that pouring right agreement is is is, is really solid. And then um, I would say on the opposite end of that, um, most of your most of your large marketing agreements don't even pour beverages. Um, an example would be uh, Coca-Cola has a partnership with uh, the Olympics, and and what a big great event that is. Um, but they don't really buy anything, right? They're 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 leveraging the Olympic brand to activate in the retail marketplace to drive revenue, but the Olympic Committee, the Olympic Games, they don't really purchase anything. Uh, the same could be said for uh, Pepsi's example to that would be the, their, their um, partnership with the NFL. Uh, right. Technically, the NFL doesn't purchase um, a case. All of those contracts are negotiated with, the, with each of the teams separately in all of those stadiums. But there's, 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 there's a real brand value to the NFL and, and what they can do externally in the marketplace. So you can see where they're, they're, they're two different philosophies. Um, but if you can kind of figure out a way to kind of blur the line or a beverage company could take advantage of both, um, mm -hmm. that's, that's really, that's, that's kind of a, a match made in heaven. And, and those are the, those are the kinds of proposals that we like to work on. It's interesting because when I think about pouring rights, you know, in, 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 um, some ways, the beverage company is purchasing uh, uh, volume, uh, yeah. in, in essence. They, there's a return that they can measure. They can look at their finance people and say, I'm spending this, and because of that, there is an estimated volume of X that's going to come back. In a marketing agreement, it, it seems to me that there's not a clear uh, line no. between what the return is on that investment. But it also seems that when you're talking about the Olympics, when you're talking about uh, the NFL, I mean, there's huge dollars in those types of agreements. Yes. So can you speak to that dynamic a little bit? How do the beverage companies uh, value marketing versus how they value actually just acquiring volume? Because they build... Um... If there's one thing that they're really, really, really good at, and and I don't, and I think most consumers, uh, most customers don't view them this way, uh, but they view themselves as uh, they're they're brand developers. Mm -hmm. um, these are companies that have been around for over 130 years. They have been through pandemics. They have been through world wars. They have been mm -hmm. through depressions. They've been bankrupt. They've been uh, they have faced more challenges in the world, and they build their business literally, you know, one eight-ounce serving at a time. And so consumers ultimately is what drives their business, but they have to get to a lot of consumers in order to be profitable. 
And so if you're in the consumer business, it's about, it's about mass quantity, right? Mm. And so uh, investment strategies have to account for that. And that's why, you know, that's why they're willing to partner with the NFL. That's why they're willing to partner with the Olympics or Beyonce that we had mentioned earlier. So there's, there's a number of different strategies that they lean into to, to try to maintain that relevance. On top of, think of, you know, think of all the different brands. And most people don't associate Pepsi with, um, they, they literally have 22 $1 billion brands. Think mm. of how hard it is to build one brand to $1 billion. <laughs> But they've got 22 of them. I think Coke has 12. Nestle has like 29 $1 billion brands. Um, it's, it's difficult to do that, but you can't do that unless you're making significant investments into getting to consumers and building that awareness. And if you've been around for as long as they have, they've, they've figured it out. But it's, it's so critical to them that, that it's, and, and it's, it's dollars well spent in their mind. That's such a critical point. In that Coke, Pepsi, Dr. Pepper, uh, on one hand, yes, they are beverage companies. They distribute beverage products. But really what they do is create and innovate and market brands. I mean, especially in today's world. I mean, obviously, all of them have the iconic flagship brands, whether it's Mountain Dew, whether it's Diet Coke, whether it's 7-Up, these great brands. but um, in today's world, where so much of the innovation is in juices and teas and organic sodas and you know all of these other innovative categories, I mean brand development is even more critical now than it was. Uh, you know, or, 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 oh, yeah. or it's even more critical now is to, is to claim the new ground. I guess correct, correct, because the consumers have changed. And and right. and again, this 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 goes back to their expertise. As mm-hmm. the business has evolved, right, they've had to, they've had to keep up. Mm-hmm. And um, when I started in this business, you know, literally it was like over 32 years ago now, uh, we carried 70 different total SKUs in the warehouse, 70, 70. When I retired, there was over <laughs> 700, yeah. Okay. And and by the way, they don't, you know, beverage companies don't do that because they're bored, okay? Right. Because they had to keep up with the times and, and the changing consumer. And how, look, I mean, look at how big water has become. Look at how big sparkling water has come. You had mentioned it, natural products. Um, you know, they're, they are, they're building brands every single day. And so, um, and that's where the investments go. That's where the investment strategies go. But at the same time, they have to always be looking two, three, four years out. You know, what's, what's coming next? And that's how you survive as long as they have. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Hope you found that informative. That was part one of a two-part series we have exploring the difference between pouring rights and a marketing agreement and how you can merge the two together. Uh, Tune in next time as we're going to explore some of the common objections to this train of thinking, including uh, what to do if your property doesn't rise to that prestigious level of the NFL, the Olympics, at least in your mind it doesn't, or what to do if you're concerned that your facility is going to end up like a NASCAR vehicle with ads plastered all over it. 
We're also going to talk through how you get started down this path. You won't want to miss it. Tune in next time. And hey, before we sign off, I want to remind you that you can take both the guesswork and the legwork out of your beverage partnership. You can level the playing field in your beverage negotiations, and you can save or make your company millions through a new or an improved beverage agreement. The first step is a free beverage opportunity analysis, which will tell you just how much you can save or you can make. Sign up for your free beverage opportunity analysis at enlivenpartnership.com and by clicking free savings estimate. On behalf of everyone here at Enliven, thanks for listening in.